The first five seconds are awesome, dude. The only thing that could have made it more awesome if it went. everyone to Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey, your Star Wars lover, and with me is Royish Good Looks. Hello, podcast. Hello, Joey. Hello, and we're the podcast that analyzes nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. In this episode, we'll be asking the question, will Ahsoka be the best Star Wars show? And we'll also be answering that question. Yes, <laughs> but why? But first, we have got, at this point, a little over a month before the Ahsoka show comes out, and we'll be having regular reviews and analyses of the episodes uh, as they're coming out. So be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that content. Also, take a look at some of our back catalog. I think there's a lot of great stuff back there. What do you think, Royce? We've done some good stuff. I would recommend other trailer breakdowns or... Season finale reviews. I think those are probably the most telling episodes that we've had, and, and we've done that for all of the new streaming series. So just go to the Krypton to Alderaan YouTube page or podcast feed, wherever you listen, and uh, look for the trailer breakdowns or the season finales. <laughs> those will get you into the most trouble. <laughs> Great. This is starting off on the right foot with this episode. Anyway, hit subscribe, like, comment, we would really love to hear from you what you think about this trailer and your thoughts and expectations for this show, whether Ashley Eckstein is your favorite human being in the whole world, that kind of stuff. So please share what you think and let's have some conversations. I'm super curious to hear what you all think. Anyway, I guess that's enough of that stuff. Let's get going. Punch it, Royce. As of this recording, we're hopefully this is the final trailer of Ahsoka. I hope we don't get any more. I would like for this to be the last thing we see before the show airs, and it's a little over a month away. So I would prefer to not see any more stuff. But uh, we found out we're getting a two-episode premiere on August 23rd, 2023. I want to talk about what we thought about the trailer, maybe pinpoint some moments uh, throughout. But first... I kind of wanted to acknowledge something here. Like, you you and I are pretty big Star Wars fans, Royce, I'd say. Fair. Fair to say. But I think this particular thing we're coming to from pretty different perspectives. I think that's also fair to say. Like, Ahsoka is my favorite character. I know everything about her. I've watched all the things. I've read the book multiple times for each of that stuff at this point. Whereas maybe your relationship is a little less tenured i don't what's the what's the right word you were born in the canon i merely adopted <laughs> it that's a good line i wish i had thought of it so what is your history with ahsoka what's your what content have you consumed i guess the most formal ahsoka stuff i've seen is her backstory in the tales of the jedi and then all of her kind of cameos through rebels i haven't seen all clone wars I have seen little bits and pieces here and there. Any episode about the Mandalorians, I've seen. And I've seen a bunch of episodes from the, the final season as well. So I'm vaguely familiar with her backstory, but I haven't seen all of Clone Wars. So like, she's not my, I'm not a, a stan. Yeah, I guess I would say I'm a stan. 
I don't know. Uh, maybe someday we'll have a live stream or something. But behind me is my Ahsoka shrine. I have some Ahsoka stuff on my desk here as we're recording. She is my favorite Star Wars character. And a lot of the characters from Rebels quickly became my favorite Star Wars characters. There's a lot of history there with me and a lot of feelings wrapped up in all of that. So with that said, I loved Rebels. That was, I guess I watched Bad Batch season one first and then I went back into Rebels. I'd seen some Rebels episodes on and off, but I did a binge. And yeah, I fell in love with all the characters there. Ahsoka's not really a main character in Rebels. She's kind of a, she pops in and out. So I'm kind of more excited to see more of the Rebels people pop in to this quote unquote Ahsoka show. Nice. Let's start off with maybe what we thought of the trailer. Did this trailer do it for us? Maybe some moments throughout the trailer that got us excited. Yeah, this trailer uh, is jam-packed, man. All right, so we're talking about these Rebels characters. Like, they're peppered throughout, but it comes out swinging with the action, with the epic. You know, it reminds me a lot of the Force Awakens trailer. Uh, I think Kylo is also, like, taking somebody down with his lightsaber at the beginning of that trailer. Very similar, or maybe I'm just confusing the beginning of the Force Awakens period. But, you know, somebody being held kind of at lightsaber point And delivering an epic line of dialogue, I'm not a Jedi, but I do have a lightsaber. Take that. So, (laughs) I mean, it it literally, literally and metaphorically comes out swinging. I love how it looks like original trilogy, whatever ship they're on. There's an A-wing in the background. And then there's more lightsaber action. Everybody's got a lightsaber in this series, it looks like. (laughs) So it's just jam-packed with awesome Star Wars action moments and the fan service moments for the people steeped in canon like yourself. I just hope that they can deliver on that promise of that epic trailer. Mm, Yes, that is the hope, isn't it? Epic, epic trailer. Probably the best trailer that we've seen for a live-action Star Wars show, which in and of itself got me hyped. I would say that generally I've been pretty cautious about my expectations for this show because I'm so wrapped up in this character. Like, I really love Ahsoka, and I I have been pretty cautious of this, like, continuation of her story because of that, because I have a lot of expectations and emotion wrapped up in all of that. But it is just incredible to see, and I'm wondering if, like, the quality of the trailer, us saying it's jam-packed, it's action-packed, it seems to have gotten us both excited, but it was also, like, an objectively good trailer. I wonder if that is an indication of the quality of the work, right? Of the quality of the show. The bad trailers we've seen are what I would consider to be maybe not a good trailer. The stuff has still been good. I could think of several examples in Disney within Star Wars and and outside of Star Wars. But this has done a good job, I guess is what I'm saying. This trailer has done a good job of getting me, of relieving some of my cautiousness. Whereas if the trailer was bad, or if I thought the trailer was bad, I would have been more cautious and more apprehensive about it. So I'm very grateful (laughs) that either they waited until stuff was done and none of the characters look super unfinished or anything like that before they released the trailer. We've got Kiner's music. We've got a lot of epic moments. So I was really, really grateful and appreciative of that because it would have been a huge bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't seem like they're trying to sell you something that's not there. You know, I'm saying, I hope it delivers. Like, it's 
it looks like it's going to deliver. It doesn't seem like they're deliberately, you know, trying to tell you a story that may not exist. Like, I feel like that's what happened with Boba Fett a little bit. The trailer mm. was, it's going to be the Sopranos in Crime Star Wars. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, not it kind of. But right. the trailer sold that, and then that wasn't the case in the show. We got this really awesome backstory with the Tuscans and developing a lot of lore on Tatooine, but it wasn't sold as the, like, Boba Fett. You know, that journey was not sold in the trailer. Yeah, and I don't want everything to be, like, handed to us, right? I don't necessarily want A to go to B. Maybe A goes to C or E or something. I do think that... Well, maybe we'll talk about this a little later, but I do think there are some like baits and switches in this trailer, uh, which is fine. I guess part of it is also like we've been burned a little bit, you and I specifically, like with with not enjoying the book of Boba Fett all that much with feeling like "Ah, I think they like sold this a different way. And maybe that would have been fine if if we enjoyed the show more, or if the show was better, unobjectively, subjectively, like if the show was better, maybe it would have been okay the way they sold it versus the way it was executed. But yeah, maybe that's where some of this is coming from, the like previous burn. I think it also should be said that the amount of work they're putting into this show could be nothing like we've seen before. People worked on Boba Fett and or was created by a group of Tony Gilroy and a group of people who like aren't necessarily in the world of Star Wars or Star Wars fans. Not saying that they're not fans. I'm just saying that that's not part of their personality. Whereas this show, Dave Filoni has created these characters and he's creating this show. He's literally written these characters for years, right? They're his characters. He's their creator. And to have that person be continuing to tell the story and even like, not recreating anything in live action, but transferring the story, bridging the story into live action. I think it's very special that Filoni is the one doing this. Uh, And then consulting with Timothy Zahn, who wrote the original Thrawn books and then rewrote Thrawn in current canon. I mean, Filoni and Zahn are talking about how to bring that character into this space. Just like incredible personal ownership and pride in the work that's being put into this show, which there's something very special there. Like, I'm worried about the character, but it's like Filoni's character. He wouldn't let anything besides killing characters off. Like, there's something very connected and special there. Yeah, I think they're starting with a very rich history to pull from and also build on and incorporate that with some of the other you know, like Mon Mothma will be in there. I think it's going to feel a little bit like Andor in some of these episodes, maybe, and maybe get a little bit sort of political, maybe allude to some of the sequel stuff, you know, maybe some of the other activity that's going on in Mando. Like, you know, I I don't want to keep beating up on on Boba Fett, but (laughs) it was kind of like a story that they could have told whatever they wanted to do. It didn't really seem to I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but like, what do you want to do with Boba Fett? Because we don't know what happens to him. So whatever you want to happen can happen. Whereas we already have all these characters from Rebels and we already build to the New Republic rather than it being kind of one isolated story from the couple of towns on Tatooine. So 
Yeah, it's rich, and I think that they're going to do well continuing to develop that part of the Star Wars canon. I'm getting more excited as we're talking about this. Again, I would love to hear what anyone listening thought of this trailer or, or, or expectations going into the show. Is Ahsoka your favorite character? If so, how do you feel about this? Were there moments throughout this trailer that like got you hyped? Dude, the first first five seconds are awesome, dude. The only thing that could have made it more awesome if it went... Like, they come out swinging with a lightsaber. It looks yeah. like you're in the original trilogy that everybody loves. There's an A-wing who doesn't love A-wings. You hear the Death Star. They got me with the nostalgia. Like, it didn't even matter what they did after that. I do think that the lightsaber Jedi thing is a huge win because Mandalorian, uh, Jedi light, even though there's a little bit of Jedi stuff there, but it's Jedi light. Uh, Boba Fett was Jedi light, even though for some reason there were Jedi <laughs> shoehorned in the middle of that for a little bit. Obi-Wan, I guess if you were looking for more of the traditional Star Wars pew pew lightsaber battles, you got a little bit of it there, or a lot of it, a lot of it there. I think that's a huge plus for Ahsoka, that lightsabers, and Star Wars, like, they're synonymous. Like, that's one of the first things that probably comes to your mind. The whole trailer's great, but just the first, like, five seconds there, they really thought, what is going to get people hooked? You know, even if they don't watch the whole two-minute trailer, it's hard to get people to pay attention to an entire piece of content. Look at hmm. your YouTube analytics, podcasters, <laughs> you know? I'm sure people make it to the end of the Ahsoka trailer, but th those first five seconds, you're like, damn, I'm in. And I love when things start off with a bang like that. TV shows, movies albums, songs, you know, you have to make sure you curate that first introduction means a lot. And then they pepper in they do the mystical stuff and the world between worlds and there's special effects and there's robots and there's a droid and there's ships like they give you everything you want. But my, my favorite part is the very beginning. I've said it enough times. <laughs> Have I made it clear? <laughs> Orange Kyber crystal clear. Uh, <laughs> I yes, the beginning pretty epic. I assume they're like boarding a transport vessel to break the uh, Morgan Elsbeth out who we saw for 10 seconds in one episode of The Mandalorian or something. Anyway, pretty epic. The line, we are no Jedi, taken almost verbatim from an episode of Rebels, Twilight of the Apprentice, where Ahsoka is confronting Vader, and he says, that is not the Jedi way, and she says, I am no Jedi, which is incredible. It's one of the greatest episodes of a Star Wars thing. So it's really cool to see that connection. I don't think that that's a... I think that that's there for a reason. I think that that's important because, again, Filoni, he, he created all of that. So it's a little rhyming moment there that I really liked. And maybe at nauseum, we've said so far, like, this trailer is exciting and is nonstop, but there were some specific moments that really got me excited. I will say that seeing Thrawn is super cool. Not one of my top moments from this trailer, but I'm very happy to have seen him and that they cast the actor who's been the voice actor for Thrawn in Star Wars Rebels and stuff like that. So that's very exciting and cool. But I gotta tell you, the thing that sold me immediately was the Pergil. Just seeing the giant head come out of the clouds and then them navigating through the tentacles while they're being shot at. So exciting to see that space whale. I remember how excited I was when Grogu saw them when they were in hyperspace in the third season of Mando. They are just so exciting to see 
that is the moment when I was like, I'm on board for this show. That will probably be a special scene or, you know, set of scenes for everyone that's steeped in the canon. I wonder if there are folks out there who are like, I don't like Rathars. I don't like the squid thing from Rogue One that wipes your memory. I don't need Mm. like a giant slug, the maw from Solo. You know, like, (laughs) I don't... Star Wars always has these giant weird yeah. creatures, you know, at some point in an episode or in a movie or whatever. So I wonder if somebody else is like, oh, great. There's some kind of giant tentacle monster they got to fight in this one. But obviously it's going to be more more impactful to the story than, than just a boss battle, I assume. Space whales are cool. And you're right. Like, it almost has become a joke where once in a live action Star Wars, there has to be some gross kind of gross CGI monster. But... There's a lot of history with these Pergil, and they can travel through hyperspace, and that's super cool, and it was really cool to see. Another thing that got me excited was seeing Morgan Elsbeth activating, like, the Seeing Stone area with seemingly Night Sister magic. I mean, all of this stuff is translating from animation, which is kind of difficult to talk about unless, <laughs> unless everyone has seen the animation. But the Night Sisters are a group of people from Dathomir, which is where Darth Maul is from, who can use the Force but aren't necessarily good or evil. They can, they just like have, they can just use the Force. When she's activating the Seeing Stone or map or whatever that is in this trailer, you can see a little green flame under the thing that she's activating, which is typically Night Sister Magic is green. And you can see this like crimson mist or crimson cloud behind them all, which is very, another very like Night Sister type thing in color. That also got me really excited because it'd be super cool to see them uh, in live action. They're just really cool characters. And I guess both of these things, the Pergil and this Night Sister stuff, is my jam. <laughs> I love this like mystical side of Star Wars. Like that's part of what makes Star Wars special to me. So I'm very excited to see it. And it's kind of cool. You could do whatever you want in animation. That's like that's why like animated Star Wars is my favorite Star Wars because you could just do, I mean, it's very reductive to say that, but you have a lot more wiggle room and freedom with animating something. But to bring this stuff into live action is incredible. I love taking weird, mystical, timey-wimey stuff and putting it in front of people who are only going to watch the live action thing. Yeah. I remember there was a behind the scenes. Dave Filoni was talking about like, oh, in animation, you can just like move characters here, here, and here. But when you're on screen with a camera, you've got to work out the blocking. So like the way a character sits down, you can't just have them like get into a booth at the bar or whatever. You have to like plan how they're going to walk around the environment. And he's obviously dabbled in the live action directing to figure out how to maneuver that different medium. And like you said, now with his characters, like I'm learning the skill set of working in live action film. And now I'm going to take my characters and, you know, go ham with it. But taking, you know, some of the language he's developed in animation, repackaging it for film. It is. It's such a special thing, man. Dude, I have another note on these Night Sisters and even, I guess, Balin and Shin. Like, who are these people? And they're working right. together. And are they Sith? Are they Jedi? They're, they're not Jedi, whatever they are, unless they're liars. <laughs> A Jedi wouldn't lie. <laughs> I'm kind of reminded of Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren. Mm. And once again, being sold something in trailers that never really pans out in the actual film. Yeah. 
that feels different, but yes. It's kind of similar here, though, where you're like, who are these people? Like, they're kind of off on their own and they're identifying as a different, you know, faction. What do they believe? Are we going to get their backstory? Is it going to feel like another set of people that we can get behind or that we want to, you know, rebel against or, you know, how is that going to pan out? I'm really curious. I hope that that's not just like you see the Purgle and that's it in Mando. And you're like, what the heck was that? You know? Yeah. So I want to know more about them. I hope we do get some of their backstory. Um, I hope it's not too much to include. You're saying they have backstory in Rebels and Clone Wars. So are we going to get some of that in the Ahsoka show? I don't know. Hopefully it just feels kind of natural that they're there. But I get the same kind of vibes as the Knights of Ren, where you're like, they look kind of cool. I want to know more. No, we we will not be discussing them further. No more questions. <laughs> yeah, the thing there is like, we obviously didn't get a satisfying conclusion to the Knights of Ren. We didn't in... get anything with them. They're just there. And then right. Kylo and kills he, them. He, right, he fights them at at the end. What we did get was a comic book series, The Rise of Kylo Ren, which goes into a little bit of the backstory uh, with the Knights of Ren and stuff like that. Again, I think people like that series. I didn't enjoy it all that much. There, there wasn't a whole lot there. It was cool because it was Kylo younger and away training with Luke. So there's interesting backstory there with the with the Night Sisters though. There's so much. There's so much in the Clone Wars. There's some of it in Rebels. There's Vent- Asajj Ventress, who is also one of my favorite characters, and she was a Night Sister. And there's you know she has a book. Uh, well, there's a book about her. So a really much more flushed out group of people. But you have to go to these extra sources, right? You got to watch the animated stuff, or you got to read. Uh, or whatever else. So there, there is stuff there. If if anyone listening doesn't want to go watch the animated stuff, Wikipedia it. There's a long history of Night Sister stuff to consume. But super cool, just super cool to see the people people watching the live action stuff will be able to see maybe this group of people that aren't Sith or aren't Jedi, but are using the Force. Maybe more like balanced than either of the other two ever have. Like a much maybe much more healthy relationship to the Force. Anyway. It'll be cool to see. But yeah, like so many questions. Like who knew that this character that we saw for 10 seconds, Morgan Elsbeth, was going to be so important? Who are these like orange lightsaber blade wielding people? Balin seems to be an Order 66 survivor. And he mentions Anakin. He tells Ahsoka that Anakin spoke highly of her. So there's a connection there somewhere. Maybe she knows him. I don't know. But now he's got like an apprentice who seems a little bit too young to have been an Order 66 survivor. I think that that maybe maybe this leads into another segment here of WTF moments and lingering questions from this from this trailer. Who are these people? So we covered who are Balin and Shin. Let's cover a little bit of what seems to be Sabine and Ahsoka's relationship. Because they never really, like you said, Ahsoka wasn't featured heavily in Rebels. And Sabine and Ahsoka never really interacted all that much. But now Ahsoka was her master for some amount of time. Maybe trained her to use Ezra's lightsaber or trained her in the Force, but probably not. We've never seen her. So that's a big lingering question WTF moment, right? Like, what was their relationship? Yeah, I think that's something the trailer, broadly speaking, did well, is setting up all this mystery stuff with this new faction of people. And then when we get to thinking about Ahsoka and Sabine, and then you're like, wait, is Sabine a Jedi? Does she have the Force? She has a lightsaber in the trailer, so we know she has a lightsaber and she's using that. 
of course, we had Finn in the Force Awakens trailer also with the lightsaber, you know, and that was a whole thing for a while of like, is he going to be, you know, the Force Awakens and Finn pops up in the trailer. It wasn't about him being a Jedi, but perfect bait and switch there. And I don't know, man, like they ask a lot of questions and especially for the people that are steeped in the canon that they know the backstory between those two or that Sabine had the dark saber at one point. That's a whole thing that could like could bring in Mandalorian fans that have no idea about Rebels. Be like, you know, Sabine had the dark saber once. So, man, uh, the amount of (laughs) history that you're missing without the animation is tricky. But I'm interested to see more of that because are they going to fit in some like more training stuff within this show? How much stuff are they setting up? How are we going to get to all this stuff? Oh, my gosh. Something we'll have to give at some point. There's only eight episodes and we're getting two of them right up front. So, you know, we we always enter into this, especially as we go through these streaming shows more and more like Obi-Wan was six episodes. You know, Boba Fett was eight, but two were spent away from Boba. It's like there's not necessarily always enough time. But then Andor is like 12 and they're all super long. Yeah. And super solid. Right. Mm. There wasn't there wasn't one episode of Andor where I was like, ah, could have done without that. I'm hoping Ahsoka will be the same way. I do think that what we've seen in the trailer is going to be mostly in the first two episodes. That's just the vibe that I get. But there is a lot of story to tell and they have to go find Thrawn or bring Thrawn to them somehow. The implication is that like, if you've seen Rebels, Thrawn and Ezra, the the Purgle took them away somewhere to the in the unknown regions outside the known galaxy. They either have to get there to find Ezra or bring Thrawn and Ezra to them. And Thrawn, Ahsoka saying Thrawn wants to be heir to the Empire, which I I don't know if I necessarily believe and I might have some left field theories about. But there's stuff there with the animation that we don't necessarily get. But if they are going to like fight this war, we see Hera talking to a group of senators saying, you know, I fought a war. I don't want to fight war. I'm coming to you to help me prevent the next one. And they're all looking like, meh. So do they go and recruit Mandalorians to help them fight in this war? Because Sabine did lead them. But then also, like, Sabine's efforts with the Darksaber kind of led to where we've seen the Mandalorians in the Mandalorian show. Like, the planet got bombed and they almost went extinct. So are they recruiting soldiers to fight the war? Are we going to see more Mandalorians? There's a lot of questions, like you're saying. Mm. I'm almost selling myself away from the trailer as we're uh, talking about this. Like the trailer is great and there could be a lot of cool stuff in the show that the trailer has shown off. But I'm I'm almost wondering if it is too much at this point now. Hmm. Now that we're kind of individually talking about there's the the not Jedi folk with the Night Sisters. And that's already two different things on its own. (laughs) Ahsoka, Sabine, Ezra, and Thrawn, and the entire galaxy on top of that. Maybe that's not too much, but it is interesting. Like me, in my own little, like I have no idea how to write a screenplay, nor an entire season of TV. But yeah, how do you fit that in with eight episodes? That sounds like a lot. What is the overarching plot? I love with Obi-Wan that it's like, Obi-Wan gets his groove back, he fights Darth Vader, you know? That kind of makes sense. I think maybe Obi-Wan was a little bit long, but it's pretty succinct in the story that it's telling with with that in mind, you know? And I think that works as a singular kind of arc through that. 
So I wonder what the major arcs are in Ahsoka. It seems like there could be a lot between fighting, or I don't even, like, she does fight Balin in the trailer a little bit. So there's some kind of conflict with them. We, we don't really see conflict with Thrawn, which I think is what you're alluding to in your left field theories. It's not like we see Thrawn in a TIE fighter shooting people down or giving orders or whatever. So yeah, there's stuff that remains to be seen that they have hidden up their sleeve. Yeah. I like having stuff hidden up their sleeve. There's only eight episodes of the show. We also know that Filoni's going to make a movie in a couple of years that's supposed to be the culmination of this quote-unquote imperial remnant storyline, and Ahsoka's fitting into that somehow. The implication of this show is maybe that Thrawn wants to rule like Moff Gideon wanted to rule, like be the top imperial remnant, even though that was never Thrawn's game in current canon. The only reason Thrawn joined the Empire, the only reason he came to the galaxy, was to prevent the Empire from reaching his people, the Chiss. He joined the Empire to keep his people safe. So there's a little bit of that that I'm hoping comes up while, while Filoni is like talking with Zahn about how to do this character. In current canon, he's not necessarily a bad guy. This is my crazy left field theory, okay? And I know how this is going to sound to a lot of people, but Thrawn, current canon Thrawn, has also become one of my favorite characters. I've read the new Thrawn. There's two trilogies. They're great books. But throughout them, it's Thrawn just doing what he has to do to protect his people, including fight this war of aliens in his own part of space who are abducting Force-sensitive children. So... If there's some kind of thing here, like this is what I would want to see is the bait and switch, like Thrawn not necessarily being the bad guy and he and Ezra fighting the Grisk, which is the name of the aliens that are abducting four sensitive children and then bringing like Ahsoka and that crew in to fight them. That's kind of like where things get a little shaky for me with this Imperial Remnant storyline, because it's going to be a little bit harder of a sell to me having having read current canon Thrawn, for me to think that he wants to be heir to the Empire. There's nothing There's nothing currently that makes me believe that that's the case. But if that's not the case, then that's even more of a story to tell in these eight episodes, right? It's much easier to be like, oh, Thrawn wants to rule the galaxy and he's the bad guy, right? So it, it's kind of, the, the footing's tricky there, but Ah, it's just a hard for it's just a hard pill for me to swallow that Thrawn would even want that. I do like the angle of the enemy of my enemy is my not Jedi, you know. Right, so right. that could be kind of cool if there's some kind of team up there. Because I think Thrawn's strength in Rebels is like what you're saying. Like he's not quite like, let's crush the rebellion in one swift stroke. You know, evacuate Namo. He's not one of those kind of Imperials. I really like how he plays it cool. And he's, you know, more analytical and trying yeah. to figure out, like, why people made certain decisions in battle. Like, hmm, that's very interesting. The rebels would choose to attack this base and not that base. You're like, yeah. that, that's a, it's a interesting train of thought for a quote-unquote imperial to be having. And that's obviously going to carry over in the show because that's his character. So they got to play that to their advantage. That's what makes these books so good. Like, Timothy Zahn is kind of a genius because he's writing Thrawn. And to be able to write the character that's that, like, analytical and tactitional, whatever the right word is there, is kind of genius. Thrawn is the only or one of the only aliens that's allowed to be officer in the Empire. It's mm. a very xenophobic environment. But the Emperor, Palpatine, only kept him around 
to gain information about the unknown regions, which is where Exegol is. So there was kind of like a symbiotic relationship going on there, which again would lead me to think that he doesn't necessarily want to be heir to the Empire, unless it's to keep the Chiss safe, I guess. All that is to say, there's a lot here. There's a lot of history to take in to account to tell the story in these eight episodes. I mean, I guess that's all Star Wars, though, you know? That's true. And that's kind of what makes it so tricky, you know? it's. I mean, even Andor has a ton going on in it, but of all of the newer Star Wars content, that's the one that seems, at least for me, to stick the landing the best. I don't know what that is. Uh, We need to do maybe some more reflecting on that. Because you would think, like, you've got Boba Fett, you've got Obi-Wan, these things should be, why wouldn't this be knocked out of the park? But in watching this trailer with the amount of things they've set up, I I feel like I've kind of talked myself out of it a little bit with, with our breakdown here. I guess I'm more nervous than I was, but it looks awesome if they pull off everything they've set up. And we know that we we need to curtail expectations, period. You right. know, I'm 100%. getting super, super emotive about this, but we just need to see what they're setting up and go along for the ride because we know they're going to take left turns and there will be an episode that Ahsoka is not in at all. There's going to be a <laughs> flashback where Ahsoka is getting to know the indigenous people of, you know, whatever planet. So who knows how they're going to tell the story and we need to respect that <laughs> when it comes out. Remember that and not not worry about all this canon stuff and just worry about the story that they're presenting, you know? But a, an episode that Ahsoka isn't in. But it's called the Ahsoka show. I mean, if, it's called Ahsoka. But let's do some math though. Like we spent an entire episode without Boba Fett, right? It was just Mando. Oh, Two, so, I think. At least uh, at least one and a half. So yeah. we could do that in Ahsoka. We could go back to Mando sure. or we could go back to Andor or anywhere else. Mon Mothma, whoever. Yeah. And we need to be okay with that. I Yeah, we'll probably get episodes that are just Thrawn and Ezra in Chiss space. I, I'm also really hoping that we see other Chiss. Like there's a whole hmm. species. I, I mean, there. it's just a really cool backstory and there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. So I think it might be unlikely to see Thrawn, good guy, you know, fighting alongside Ezra or Ezra fighting alongside Thrawn. But I really would love for it to happen. So I'm curtailing my expectations, but I will be disappointed if it doesn't happen and I will never watch Star Wars again. Do you have any left field theories or is there anyone from Rebels or anywhere else that you would like to or hope to see in Ahsoka. We know we're getting like most of the ghost crew from Rebels and, you know, Chopper and yeah. One Mothma, blah, blah, blah. It's insane how much of Rebels is in the trailer. It's it's crazy to me, especially I'm thinking of all the people I know that are going to watch Ahsoka that I know for a fact have not seen Rebels. And it's like, I don't know if you can watch this show. It's kind of a prerequisite to this course. Right. But I think Callus was one of my favorites from Rebels. Oh, cool. Oh, I, I didn't even think of that. And so he could play into that that Thrawn yeah. sort of, you know, double agent sort of thing. That could be cool. Uh, I don't know what he's doing in the timeline, if there's been any expansion on him, but he was a, a favorite of mine in Rebels. That would be awesome. He and Zeb are off living in a cottage somewhere while Zeb's being a space cop and they pull Callus back into a fight. I'm not going to be disappointed if that's not the case, but for me, that would be kind of a cool, like, oh yeah, I like that guy. I love that. How about any Tamura Morrison? As Rex, if Rex is still alive at this point, we know that Rex was in the Battle of Endor, so this is maybe 
this is, I think this is set like 10 years after the Battle of Yavin or 12 years after the Battle of Yavin. So there's still a little bit of time there. I think that would be an awesome ace off the sleeve that would make people stoked. It makes sense. You know, he's been in <laughs> the newer stuff. So why wouldn't they continue to use him and to put Rex in live action? You know, that's a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, we're getting the droid Hugh Yang, which is from like two Clone Wars episodes voiced by David Tennant. And he's like floating around with Ahsoka. I mean, I love those episodes and I love that character, but it's just like a little bit more random than having like Rex who fought by Ahsoka's side for the entirety of the Clone Wars and then a little bit after. So super cool to see. I hope we don't, I hope we get him, but I hope they don't show us in a trailer. I want right. to be sitting, I want to be sitting in front of the TV when he walks on in that armor. I will lose my shit. That will be a moment for me. How about like Fen Rao? Do you remember Fen Rao, the, the Mandalorian or any other Mandalorians? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, is that like Gar Saxon and other Mandalorian I think he's people? Dead. Well, anyway, I think that would be remiss not to bring in more Mandalorians. If you're going to have Sabine, you know, mm -hmm. that's a tie in, you know, that's a link there. Like I said, she had the Darksaber. How could you ignore that? And especially like, did, did Din have the Darksaber when he was with Ahsoka? No, that's the season finale, right? So so no. But that that could be interesting. You know, that Ahsoka could be like, oh, you know, I met another Mandalorian, you know. And he had a Jedi. Like, oh my gosh. Like, it, there's so much that they could play into that. I wonder if there is going to be some trauma there and some guilt from Sabine after she had the Darksaber, like Mandalore fell to the Empire. So it, that'll be interesting to see. Again, not a whole lot of time to touch on that, but... It'll be interesting to see if she's if any emotions from that play into the play into her character at all. Especially then we're saying like we're seeing like Ahsoka abandoned her kind of. So I have a question for you. Where do we think this is gonna stack up on like a dialogue level and action level versus some of these other shows? Like Andor had a lot of action, but it was mostly like heavy dialogue. Like that's why mm -hmm. the episodes were so long, is because we talked out a lot of stuff, which I thought right. was a positive for that show different kind of show, but really took a big chunk out of like, here's information and you're going to have to put the subtitles on and pay attention, but you're going to get a lot of info in and it's going to make the, the story that much better for it versus a Mandalorian where the dialogue is like, you know, pretty oh, stripped. God. Don't pretty get stripped me started. Back. I don't even want to say <laughs> that it's if, if it's good or bad. It's just it's stripped yeah. down, you know, to the bare minimum. So I wonder, do you think that they're going to be somewhere in between those two? Are we going to be dialogue heavy? dialogue light or you know somewhere happy middle ground between those interesting i think we're going to be a middle ground i might reframe this a bit something that i really love about obi-wan i i really liked the obi-wan show i think probably more than most but it 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 walked the line of like action and lore and emotional storytelling substantive emotional storytelling that i have wanted from star wars and that's what I walked away from that show enjoying about it. And if they bring that to this, that is also something I would really want to see from a character like Ahsoka at this point in time. We're going to get the action. We've seen the lightsabers. Every, Like you said, everyone's got a lightsaber. Great. <laughs> We've seen the space. There's space battles. There's space whales. There's pew pews. But Sabine, we just talked about. There's trauma. Mandalore fell after she gave the darksaber to Bo-Katan. With Ahsoka... Ahsoka's entire journey post the Clone Wars at this point has been regret and remorse. And she found out that her former master became Darth Vader. It, maybe if she hadn't left the Jedi, uh, 
she could have stopped that from happening. And now she's abandoned Sabine, Sabine's training. Ahsoka has become a lot about second chances. And I think that if that aspect of the storytelling comes out in this show, I will back it 100%. I'm going to be on board. I love the white lightsabers. Let's have the pew-pews. But let's do a little Obi-Wanage here where like she's dealing with her past trauma and the emotional healing that comes along with all of this progress. Yeah, I like that take. I would prefer it to be more on the dialogue heavy side than lighter oh, side. Oh, interesting. I, I guess you like in my older age, you know, I actually enjoy reading <laughs> a book now, which if I told my younger self, they would be like, what are you? Are you kidding yeah. me? You're reading a book on a Friday night. <laughs> but like, that's where the story is. You know, if it's well written, at least I guess that there could be too much dialogue. There's a there's a fine line or a balance mm. to be struck. But I love that about Andor, where you're like, ooh, you got to hear what characters were thinking. You know, you get to learn lore that you would not hear otherwise. And it's not not watered down to the point where you're like, it's just pew pews and it's just an action flick, which right. is not a bad thing. It's just a different type of content. And I've I've seen enough action. I think a lot of us have probably seen enough action and CGI and, and stuff. It's not that I don't like it, but that becomes a little bit mind numbing to me. So I would rather hear the conversation that Ahsoka and Sabine are going to have and watch one of them break into tears through the conversation uh, and, and yeah. have that be a head to head sort of thing, you know, or whatever characters it doesn't have to be them. But I like that. During the fight with Obi-Wan and Vader, I could care less about Obi-Wan throwing rocks at Vader. You know, like, yeah. make up your own it's head. It's not about lifting rocks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I love that when they're, you know, okay, goodbye, old friend. Like, oh, yeah. my oh. heart. Crack. You Devastating. Know? Yes. So those are the moments I'm going to live for. And I guess that doesn't have to be dialogue heavy to get those moments. They just have to be set up well through the story. But I, don't yeah. know, I thought that would be an interesting thing to note because we've harped on the dialogue on our show uh, on and off. So we'll see what they do with that. Well, it gets rough in Mando season three, which I feel like has is the most recent version of that conversation for us. But I do think this leads into uh, maybe the last question here, which is where do you think it will rank among other live action Star Wars shows? Let's uh, uh, Based on a two minute trailer, and absolutely no other understanding of how the story, what the story is or how it's going to go. It could just be nothing but nonsense. How do you think it could rank among the other live action Star Wars shows? Yeah, it would be interesting to just rank them based on their trailers alone. Uh, obviously, we can't do that, <laughs> oh God, that would be with, with the knowledge yeah. we have of the, uh, the series. But I wonder how all the trailers, you know, like because I'm trying to think of what the Andor trailer was like before that came out because we had no yeah. idea what that show was going to be in its entirety, you know? Right. How do you how do you trim that down to a two-minute trailer? That's a lot of stuff. But where I think the show is going to land, as much as we've kind of beat up on Mando season three, I loved all the Mandalorian backstory stuff and going to Mandalore, like, it's so, so cool. Like, if you liked, <laughs> we're talking about action, like seeing Mandalorians with their guns flying around, like, you got that in season three in spades. So I really enjoyed that. But the amount of stuff that they showed in the Ahsoka trailer, I think could potentially top that. I think lightsabers are an X factor. I think the <laughs> the rebels aspect and rebellion or the New Republic, like I think that is another fun aspect. I really liked when they brought Carson Tiva into Mandalorian mm. season three and two. Like that was kind of fun seeing him. So I don't mind seeing more of the New Republic stuff. That's an X factor. And you've got these great big bads with Balin and Thrawn. It's got a lot going for it. But it's still got to compete 
with Andor in my mind. So I think mm. like it's going to be hard to top Andor, but I do think that it could be on par or just beneath that and maybe above Mandalorian season three. Those are kind of my top three live action properties at the moment. Ask me again sometime, but at the moment. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's not a fair question because Andor specifically is such a different show. Well, it's not apples to apples, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I think maybe on an episode of Pink Milk when they were discussing like Andor and Obi-Wan, uh, Chase pointed out that it's kind of like Red Delicious Apples and Granny Smith Apples, right? They're both apples, but two completely different apples. <laughs> but I think Andor is very special. But this, specifically for me, Ahsoka, could be the most appealing to what makes Star Wars special to me. Ahsoka's my favorite character. You know, like I said, I've been somewhere between, anywhere between cautious and apprehensive about this show for many different reasons. But Ahsoka's my favorite character. And Dave Filoni, I wish we were friends. I love him <laughs> a lot. He's the biggest Star Wars nerd on the planet. Uh, and the animated stuff and, and all the work he's done, my caution comes from like not wanting this show to take anything away from what makes the character special to me. Ahsoka is a very special character to me and a lot of people. And I would hate for this show to or, or anything, any content in the future to take any of that away from me or us or anybody. But with that asterisk on it, it has the potential to be the best. I would certainly put it above Mandalorian Season 3 because I did not enjoy Mandalorian Season 3 all that much. You could go and listen to our episodes where I complain about that. But I think it could be the best live action. That's another huge asterisk mm. because there's no way it would compete with the animated stuff. But I think it could be my favorite live action thing. Yeah, I mean, so more of the story is like, we want to love it. We love yeah. Star Wars and I'm, <laughs> I'm always rooting for new Star Wars, animated yeah. or not animated, canon or not canon. We haven't talked about Visions on the show yet, but like I'm always in for new Star Wars and I always hope it's the next best Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Right before Rogue One came out, I think we said similar things of like, this could be, it's a side story, like, oh, it could be the coolest one ever. So, hell yeah. Hopefully Ahsoka is better than Andor because I loved Andor and if it's better than that, why would I complain? Yeah. We're always rooting for better Star Wars. I love that. You know what that is? Progress. All right, listeners, let's keep this conversation going. We would love to hear what you think about the Ahsoka trailer and what your predictions and thoughts and worries. Are you cautious or are you just all in on this new season of Ahsoka? Leave us your comments here on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the pod. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure to subscribe if you're here on YouTube. Hit us up wherever you like to social media. And thank you for listening to the show today. I have been Royce. I've been Jason Sindula. And we've been Krypton 2 about Jason Sindula. I have so much more to say. <laughs>